Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we take a look at our upcoming Transformation Conference premiering next week in Helsinki, Finland. Why are we doing it? Who's going to be there and what can we expect? Also, Eric was present at the Paris presentation of Swing Vision, a new AI tennis app developed by experts from Apple and Tesla. We'll hear Eric's impressions and listen to their co-founder and CEO, Swapnil Sahai. I'm Conrad Olsen, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleague Erik Sedin. Erik, good morning. Good morning. All right. In Sweden, we have the classic Klemdag. It's actually a work day right in between the holiday, which was yesterday, and the weekend. So um, we don't have Roland <laughs> here today because he's enjoying his Klemdag with his family. Uh, so, But we have a lot to talk about, so... so um, Let's get, let's get into it. There's been quite a busy week uh, online. I just wanted to start there and plug some of the the stories we've published the last week. Um, there's a bit of a design season right now. Uh, uh, Stockholm Creative Edition, the design festival just ended. Uh, and our contributor, Elenia Martini, has been present at the Southern Sweden Design Days uh, and uploaded... Uh, report from there which you can read we also have the salone in milan coming up i think next week or the week after that so elenia will continue to uh, travel to the design weeks uh, yeah we also have three days of design so all the kind of design festivals that has been postponed and and delayed during the pandemic kind of decided they're going to, going to re-emerge uh, this season and i'm so glad we have Ilenia present and we'll naturally uh, invite her to the podcast to talk about that uh, it's going to be some exciting stuff we already have teased that Anne-Sophie Back, the iconic swedish fashion designer is presenting her new uh design sort of interior objects uh a few lampshades in the made made from wigs very conceptual mm-hmm. uh they're they're up online right now i'm also excited we have some reports from um, the 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 uh, graduation exhibitions in Stockholm. Eric, did you have a chance to visit the Beckman's uh, graduation uh, exhibition? I did. I went over there for like a little uh, lunch viewing, and it was great. I took my time, the the hour I had there, <laughs> and of course I checked out our dear colleague Alva Nelander, her project, which yes. was this amazing uh, musical kind of. Um, beautifully shot, you can tell. I didn't know she had that in her. <laughs> and I mean, in a good way. <laughs> a three-minute musical. Uh, first, very daring. And uh, it also made me understand. We, mm. We've been trying to to get Alva on board after she graduates now <laughs> on a full-time job. And I don't know what it is with kids today, turning down a full-time job at an upcoming media agency. Uh, but having seen her film, I kind of understand why she, she's she been mumbling about, I want to do movies. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. She really has a talent. It came clear. It was a great, uh, greatly color-coded. You could just tell her talent brilliantly in three minutes. So she did well there. Also, I checked out, the which is online now, uh, 
the feature um, story from Hedvig Moberg, the photographer that shot the uh, issue two cover of uh, Jakob Felander uh, of, yes. our, of our magazine. And now she did a, um, she, uh, she sourced 54 different magazines, mm. some that she had since she was a kid that she always liked and some that she bought like the other day, kind of. With uh, really cool editorials, really cool portraits of famous people, celebrities, models. And then she photoshopped herself, her own self-portraits, onto these people. And uh, all these people that she grew up idolizing. And on all these editorials that she grew up just idolizing the design part of it. And um, it's on our website now to check out some of these portraits. Uh, really cool. Yeah, Hedvig is, uh, is a super talented uh, photographer, creative, very sort of modern uh, creative. She has, I think we discovered her from her Instagram feed where she does these kind of sort of uh, collages, uh, uh, mock-ups. She mixes really, you know, fashion lookbooks with her own shoots and everything. Very, very innovative. And that's also what we wanted when we when we commissioned her to do the Jakob Fellander cover. And um uh, I know uh, Hedvig is is graduating now on her way to work with a fashion brand, but <laughs> hopefully we'll we'll be able to uh, uh, continue working with her as a contributor, which 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 is the plan. But really, always always inspiring to watch the the graduation shows and all the uh, the, the talented students. There was also a wonderful concept by um, uh, Gunnar Tuva Larsson, who did a seven hundred page document like a a phone book of chronicling her entire life one month per spread uh and just she had just poured in you know documents of data she had left behind in her phone in her computer in her ipad uh, on her social media so it's a mix of like drafts or, or like uh Cutouts from text conversations she had with her friends or boyfriends or family, metadata from Instagram and Facebook, which apparently you can <laughs> extract if you want, if you want to go that deep. Um, mm-hmm. Very interesting, yeah. very conceptual, and also just beautifully designed. Weird kind of book to read, I guess, for anyone who wants to go through the 700 pages. But I just thought it conceptually that it was really nice. I loved it too. And I think she was born the same year as me, 95. So you could kind of go to the, the first page. The first year was kind of like no data to be fine. And then it was kind of at like 2010, 2011, she got a smartphone, I guess. Yeah. So then she had all these pictures of her friends and and those kind of, uh, what do you say, like 14, 15 years of her life was, you know, these uh, screenshots of like videos that her dad or mom had shot of her mm. like playing in the in the streets or whatever and then like 2013 it got really heavy with like all these screenshots of like text messages from her grandma saying that she loves her and you get kind of touched by that and then self-portraits all her trips i loved it i thought it was amazing something i don't know i don't know how would your book be it'd be more than 700 pages right it would be more than 700 pages I feel like you've been documenting quite heavy yeah, but it would also be like 10 years of, of complete blank pages in the beginning because I was born early 80s or like, I don't know, 20 years of, of blank pages. But uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I leave a lot of, I leave a big digital trail. So it would be interesting to see that. I also uh, started thinking about, you know, what, what would it look like for uh, my daughter, for instance, who's, who's 10, 11. I mean, her book would be yeah, wow. crowded yeah. from from day one. If if you would take in from the get go, 
from all the documentations that you know I have done, I mean, I, I have a like a closed Instagram account that she doesn't want to use right now, but it's with pictures from from when she was a small small baby uh, up until she was like six or seven. Um, I think around eight, she started saying that it's illegal for parents to take pictures and post them online without consent. <laughs> she had learned, so I had to stop. But um, no. <laughs> it, it was a concept that really sparked uh, our imagination and, and just to highlight that we all leave our yeah. digital sort of trails all the time. Uh, so anyways, yeah. the uh, the Beckman's graduation show, I'm sure you can, we, you, we have some of it up online with the Hedwig story and you can view uh, most of it on Beckman's website. All right, Eric. On Monday, a few days from now, we'll, we will be traveling to Helsinki, Finland to host our second transformation conference. Or rather, uh, I will. You, you won't. <laughs> you, you're the only team member who's going to stay back in, in Stockholm. Uh, but I thought it would be a, a good idea to just explain uh, this concept a little bit. It's going to take up a lot of, uh, uh, of our editorial space in the months to come. Uh, because we're doing it both in Helsinki now um, next week uh, for a smaller crowd and also in Stockholm late August. And as per usual, we'll be publishing a lot of these talks and and conversations and panels um, in our editorial feed. So um, just to give a little bit of a, a background on this, I mean, our love for Finland has been uh, you know, clearly documented in our in our online feed and and in the in this podcast for the past year, and we've been kind of looking for a project to do with 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 in Finland or 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 with a Finnish partner. And uh, about six months ago, we um, got in touch with Helsinki Partners, which is a uh, owned by the city of Helsinki organization that kind of uh, similar to Visit Helsinki or, or sim- something like that. And they asked us to to create a concept to was there a way to sort of connect the the Finnish innovation industry uh, because there's a lot happening on uh, the material side, uh, fashion tech side. Uh, can we connect them with the, with sort of broader Nordic fashion industry? That's how it started, and I'm really proud to have obviously another governmental organization uh, trusting us with with their <laughs> budgets. Um, like you said, I'm staying put. I'm hopefully holding the fort here in Stockholm, but uh, so I don't know as much as you guys do. But I know we've been writing about uh, these Finnish fashion tech brands since for issue one of Scandinavian Man, which we started on issue two. I know. Johan Mangesson, our colleague, he wrote the uh, Innovations for Better Living, and I know he highlighted many of these guys. Yeah. What what brands or what people are coming? Yes, I'm really happy that we have three of the most prominent Finnish innovation brands in this sort of material uh, field. And and as you said, we have been covering mm-hmm. this. We have a special in, in the latest issue. There are, are companies popping up all across the Nordics, actually. Um, but from, mm-hmm. the, from the Finnish side, we have uh, Spinova, uh, Infinited Fiber and Metsa Spring, and I think I think we all know Spinova and Infinited Fiber for for doing um, famous sort of collaborations with fashion brands. We see the similar thing happening in Sweden with Renewcell. Um, Spinova has done collaborations with Marimekko, with Adidas. Yeah. Uh, Infinited Fiber just launched a um, uh, announced uh, a big. Uh, uh, collaboration with Tommy Hilfiger, 
And uh, in Sweden, we have, you know, we've seen similar things with, with RenewCell and Levi's in Sweden. Um, so, so what this is basically, which is kind of unusual for the fashion industry, uh, but there's a good reason it's happening, is that these are uh, companies that are looking into how can we create textiles in a much more sustainable, much more innovative way. Because as we all know, overproduction, uh, creating virgin materials, uh, virgin cotton, virgin polyester, all these things are harmful for the planet. So on the innovations that what people are looking at is how can we create new textiles that take up less energy uh, and also is uh, using recycling methods for either using recycling other materials like um uh, we've seen plastic bottles and things like that turn into polyester. That's not what these guys do, but but also recycling cotton, which is a huge thing right now. And I'm not going to go into yeah. each and every innovation because that's what the conference is about, and I'm, I'm, we, we have a chance to to d- dive deep into this. But really, what's it about? What it's about is because we see these high profile collaborations, and and as I mentioned, this is not. <laughs> Comil four in the fashion world. No one has, you know, ten years ago, no one cared about where the fiber <laughs> came from, and we're not even talking about companies that <laughs> that, that do textiles. They're not even creating the actual fabric. They're just creating the fiber that turns into the 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 weave, the thread, the yarn that then turns into um, the textile. But obviously, what this is about is a story story about sustainability. So fashion brands like exactly. Adidas, like Tommy Hilfiger, like H&M, uh, like Levi's, they have to signal that they're doing something concrete. And this is what these companies are offering, a new innovative way. And there's a huge business opportunity to be found. And, and uh, this is the starting point of the conference. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, of course, it could be about what kind of signal you're sending out. But the other week we talked about fashion tech and how there, these regulations might come in. Mm. So these brands will definitely be on top of it then. It would be really interesting to hear what they have to say about, yeah, we can help all these countries in this way. And like you said, what I what I think is really interesting is the um, the recycling part. Like how I, I've read so much about how complex it is and mm. I remember you saying once that uh, in, in, in Scandinavia, we're pretty good at recycling. We would go to the basement of our apartment store, uh, apartment buildings or whatever, and then we can recycle glass, plastic, paper. Maybe there should be a, a close one that mm. can go to like this state-owned place that just recycles it perfectly. So it's really interesting to hear how far they come with that because I think yeah, it's, and- like you said, it's, it's a good signal to, to send out and important stuff. And that's another... It's another uh, um... Place, sort of place where Finland is actually leading the way. There is a EU directive that says mm. that by 2025, I think, we all have to recycle our textiles, which is mm. pretty soon. It's around the corner and no one's talking mm. about it. I'm sure we'll be talking much more about it. <laughs> no. I think uh, Finland are going to implement this during next year, so 2023, which is going to be really uh, exciting. So some of these uh, companies like uh, Spinova are are working on these sort of recycled uh, fibers, and and we're going to get into that. And we have some of the the leading executives present. Um, But we also have some other uh, good stuff happening at the conference. We obviously want to talk about... um, uh, sustainability from a consumer perspective. So we have our dear friend, Fredrik Ekström, our a contributor to, to Scandinavian Mind, who does a lot of research. He's released a series of reports on 
the consumer and their approach to sustainability. So he'll be present talking about his report. We also have, which I'm really excited about, uh, Alec Leach, a, a journalist and author of the new book, The World is on Fire, But We're Still Buying Shoes. Uh, Alec was previously <laughs> the fashion uh, journalist at Heisnobiety. Uh, so, so he will be there as well, as well as uh, a few of uh, the the prominent creatives from both Sweden and Finland. We have Ellen Larsson from uh, Hudakova, uh, a f- famous upstart, getting a lot of traction right now, and of course Ervin Latimer, a designer and founder of his new brand Latimer, and uh, another plug for our online. <laughs> Uh, uh, editorial operation <laughs> we have a big story interview with Arvin uh, from issue 3 that we just published uh, and sent out in our newsletter uh, this Wednesday right also someone uh, Arvin is someone we've been uh, reporting on for several years and it's really cool to see his come up and seeing his from graduating from uh, I think it was Alto University uh, to now having his own brand and really pushing his uh, I don't want to say agenda, but pushing nice values into fashion. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what we're going to talk about uh, in the panel as well. I mean, Erwin and Ellen as well. I mean, you know, I don't see any new brand coming out of the Nordics that don't have a very clear set of values that they're operating from, whether it be sustainability mm. or identity or uh, diversity, which which Erwin mm. is really good to to illustrate in in his work um he has really got a new take on what masculinity uh, is so i mean a lot of stuff happening i just want to mention this uh, and also uh, kind of tease out for you listeners you won't be hearing this until maybe a couple of weeks from now when we'll start uh, uh publishing the talks here on our podcast uh, but but so if if anyone still in in finland hasn't heard about this and want to attend we can make sure you can you can uh, we can squeeze you in, I'm sure. Uh, but it's also to mention <laughs> yeah. that that we're gonna do uh, a version of the transformation conference uh, in Stockholm on August 20, uh, 25 at Stockholm Fashion District um, in conjunction with the Nordic Fabric Fair. And for that, it's gonna be a little bit of a bigger event. Uh, it's gonna be much more sort of a focused, inviting people from from different parts of the industry. And if you want to take part in that in any in any way, you can you can uh, let us let us know. So that's also going to be great because we have a big delegation of Finnish companies coming to Stockholm in in end of August, uh, and I'm so happy we also got the Finnish embassy on board to to uh, host a networking dinner with us. And I'm going to make sure that you'll be attending at least that conference and that dinner, Eric. <laughs> Great. I'm part of the team. Feels good. <laughs> All right. Our next big story. Eric, you were in Paris a few weeks ago, which we noted on the podcast. Uh, and now we can explain or reveal why you were at the presentation of Swing Vision Uh Take it away. What what was this? Give us the headline. So yeah, this uh, swing vision. I think it's been around since uh, just one year into the pandemic, and uh, these guys. I think they were like ten, not tennis players, not tennis professionals. They were just tech guys. I think they've been working with uh, artificial intelligence at Tesla and Apple before. 
they were just kind of like, hey, we like to play tennis and like tracking and uh, courting and helping anting the up on your game is kind of expensive. Tennis is kind of an expensive sport to begin with. So they just came up with this idea of, hey, how can we use our artificial intelligence uh, skills to just use an iPad or an iPhone to record a whole game and then... After the game is done, people can see and they can get a full report on what they've been doing. So this is not an Apple, an official Apple app, but from what I can tell, and I'm pretty sure that the Swing Vision is quite happy about this. Apple is kind of taking them in and like presented it like it's their own app. It's that good. So at all these, uh, I think for the last three keynotes that Apple has been having, uh, they've shown how like, look what we can do with our Apple Watch and look what we can do with our yeah. iPhone and our iPad. We have this amazing tennis app. So it's kind of, it's not, it's integrated and looks like a regular iPhone app or an Apple Watch app, but it's kind of a third party app in some way. So good for Swing Vision. I guess they get some, some free, some free and well needed uh, marketing from that. Oh, anyways, so. For an amateur or for a professional tennis player, that is too, if you would want to like record your game, I don't know if you've heard about it, but they have this cool camera system called Hawkeye. You know, so if you watch a tennis game, it, it kind of zooms in and it can kind of stop the ball mid-game and show like, was it in or out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this thing is expensive. This system, it costs like 10,000 euros to, sh- to put up and it's 10 cameras and not all tennis courts have them. I don't even know how many has them, only like the professional courts. Right. So these guys wanted to, hey, how can people just get a overview of their game? So all you need is an iPhone or an uh, iPad to start with and it needs to be i think they said two meters above the ground and then you put it behind your back and then you start playing and then it records it so uh, pretty cool and uh, when i got there like i'm not a big tennis player myself uh, so i was not so happy to see myself playing afterwards when they showed it back to me how i looked uh didn't look so good look very stiff also didn't get the um the dress code memo so i showed up in jeans and a hoodie I thought, guys I thought you looked cool. Full, full workout clothes. <laughs> yeah, we brought the lifestyle segment to the tech, uh, tech uh, presentation. That's what but we the do. location was awesome. Just a couple of words on the location. It, it looked amazing. Yeah, that was that also, it took me away. I, the taxi picked me up from the, from the hotel and all I knew I was going to this, uh, I was going to a tennis court. So mm. the taxi driver drops me up in this really like just regular back street, like an alley in the middle of Paris. And I'm like telling the driver, I'm like, I'm not sure this is it. I'm supposed to go to a tennis court he's like yes sir this is it and i walk out and i get get greeted by this person from apple that sends me up and we go into this like really shady elevator like fill of graffiti and i'm like where are we going like is this like some other <laughs> pr event that i didn't see and we would go up like uh, this, this regular apartment building and then we uh, just walk through this like quite shady like corridor and then we just open this this metal door and we're in this like 150 year old tennis court on top of this uh, apartment building i'm only guessing like the only the elite of uh, paris gets to play there it's probably some mm. kind of really expensive club to play at but it looks cool looks like the like a it was like a dome shaped court so it looked kind of like the inside of a church i guess and then they had this beautiful uh, like the roof terrace you can go out and you had the view of the eiffel tower it was amazing they really sold it in well uh, but anyway so we get there and we we um we get the uh, Apple Watch put on our wrists, and uh, so this app, this Swing Vision tennis app, they have an. Uh, it can also be integrated with an Apple Watch. So as you play, it can kind of tell like, oh, this last shot was uh, 74 miles per hour uh, in strength, or the last one, maybe you should focus on your on your back end and try to breathe more before you before you hit the, the ball. Pretty mm-hmm. cool how it would tell you right after. One little negative that I had is like I'm kind of, you know, I don't know if it's ADHD, but I like to 
you know, hit my racket and stuff. So when I was standing waiting for my turn, I would hit my racket against my hand and against my knee and against my foot, just like <laughs> excited to play. And I think it kind of registered those as hits, <laughs> I could tell afterwards. So <laughs> maybe something for them to work out afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, so then I played a couple of games. I get this great uh, coach. It's crazy how easy it is to to work on your swing uh, just after a couple of shots. Same with, I haven't played a lot of tennis. Like I said, I haven't played a lot of golf. I haven't played any golf. But, you know, that's what everyone says about, oh, it's, it's such a frustrating sport. And it's such it's all about the swing and it's all about the technique. And, yeah, this really helped me as a, as a amateur. And I really wanted to play more. Like, I really got a sweat on. <laughs> it was a great time. Well, this goes to the heart of, of, you know, why these technologies exist. We had on our podcast the, just the other week the chief scientist for, for Polar, the, the Finnish wearable brand. And uh, we we've see Fitbit was acquired by Google. And there's a lot of sort of uh, things happening in this field. And I think that's why uh, Apple is so keen on, on showing that they're, they're, you know, spearheading innovation in this in this field mm. uh but you, you got a sense it's interesting to hear from you that you really got a sense that it actually worked and you can enhance your you know sports productivity if you will uh and and level of of your your performance yeah and also just how that it's fun it's gamified like it was cool because since it's you know connected to an iphone or the uh, mm. ipad behind you it would as you hit it would say like 64 miles per hour then you want to hit harder next time. It'd be like 85 and you can kind of go and it was fun. It was gamified. And then afterwards, they kind of sat you down and they give you this shooting map or a shot map. I don't know what to say. And it would say like, oh, on your forehands, 80% of the shots went in. But on your backhand, 30% went into the net or 20% were too long. So it kind of made you look like, hey, this game is actually, it's mapped and it's recorded. And it just made it more fun. And I think for me, that's kind of like working out. That's kind of what it's all about. It's almost like a, a version of augmented reality. It's it's not visual, but it's like performative. Like there's a there's a layer of technology yeah. onto uh, what's happening in the physical court, but but there's a sort of a digital representation of it uh, that that feedbacks, uh, uh, you know, instructions mm-hmm. or or uh, other types of information to you while you're doing it. It's really interesting. And also, just a uh, last point, um, uh, they did say <laughs> since we're in Scandinavian mind and everyone's in, everyone in Scandinavia is playing paddle, uh, they hardly knew what it was half a year ago, these founders <laughs> that I talked to, but they were like, it's going to be a paddle update soon, so okay. not to worry for people playing paddle, it's going to come. <laughs> All right, but you also had a chance to speak to, to the founder, right? Yeah, and uh, we'll share an interview now. It's uh, my short and sweet interview with uh, Swapnil Sahai, co-founder and CEO. And like I said, he had this experience with working at Tesla with the uh, with the AI, and uh, he could actually he could actually use the um, his his experience there from the self-driving cars and the cameras, figuring out where the where people would walk and where the car would go in this app. So I asked him a lot about that. So yeah, let's have a listen. So I'm standing here with Swapnil Sahai, the CEO of uh, Swing Vision. Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Uh, so to get started, the Swing Vision, what is this app, to just put it shortly? 
Well, basically, it's an app for your phone uh, or your iPad that lets you automatically track your scores, your statistics, and even do line calling uh, on the t- right there on the tennis court, just using a single iPhone. And uh, is this supposed to be like the tennis coach killer? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say the tennis coach killer because, you know, it's a valuable tool for both coaches and students. But the idea mm. is it finally brings you the same access to the experience that pros have had for decades, which is, you know, real-time data and insights about your game, no matter wherever you are, even with your coach or without your coach. And just kind of, you know, leveling the playing field for everybody is really the idea. So you can use, you only need one iPhone or one iPad and then you set it up. Talk me through that. How do you, you get get to the court and you want to play. How how do you set it up? Yeah, so um, there's actually a mount that we sell in the app. It's basically a pole that fits in your tennis bag. And then you can extend it and hook it on top of the fence. Mm -hmm. You can also just buy a tripod, standard like one and a half meter tripod online for about 30 euros. Uh, so you just set it up behind the baseline, and so the angle looks very similar to what you would typically see when you watch tennis on TV, mm. that same classical angle behind the baseline. And just hit record, and that's pretty much it. And then our AI will process your video in real time. We track the ball trajectory, the player movements, all of that. And uh, just about you, your personal journey of creating this app. How did it start, and how did you end up here? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a lifelong tennis player. I've been a huge fan of the sport, been playing since I was about seven years old. I started the company with my roommate from my undergrad at UC Berkeley in California. So we both played tennis together. We wanted a way to track our game. And the only solution was a 10-camera system that cost 10,000 euros. And it's super expensive. And so we wanted to just make this super affordable. Um, and so, you know, we didn't work on it initially. I went and got my PhD in statistics. And then I worked at Tesla and the autopilot team and became really experienced in artificial intelligence. And that's where I started to get the idea that maybe we could use an iPhone camera to automate tracking for tennis. Um, and so that's when we started working on Swing Vision. And um, it was pretty incredible. Some of our first investors include F world number one, Andy Roddick, who mm. won the U.S. Open, um, and also James Blake, who is a you know, number four tennis player in the world. So we've had some great backers behind us. And uh, just to stop it, you said you were at Tesla and learning about uh, AI and yeah. stuff like that. What kind of lessons do you get from working <laughs> at Tesla? Yeah, I mean, working there was so great. We actually worked really closely with the CEO, Elon Musk. So mm-hmm. I was presenting to him on a weekly basis and just seeing the way that he works, you know, making that company move so quickly, despite the fact that it's a public company that's really large. I think I just learned a lot about his management style, just his philosophy of, you know, keeping solutions simple, mm-hmm. doing things that are going to make the experience great for the customer and moving yeah. as fast as possible. And that's where we had this idea for Swing Vision, which was, let's just do something with a single iPhone. It's incredibly difficult from an engineering perspective, but it is the single best experience you could have as a consumer. And so that's what we wanted to achieve. And that's kind of the inspiration we got was from kind of Elon's philosophy and how he would have done it. I mean, we've been playing here for an <laughs> yeah. hour or so, and I was impressed about the camera. Sometimes me, when I watched my footage back, yeah. I would be standing in the way of the camera. You couldn't right. see the ball, but the, the app would still tell you where yeah. it landed. So right. is that something like, I don't know if you can draw any parallels from like the <laughs> self-driving cars, but did you ever at Tesla learn how to use like AI for movement and tracking? Yeah, and stuff? that's actually my main job at Tesla was tracking the other vehicles and pedestrians walking around. Um, while we were driving. And so one challenge at Tesla was we didn't have access to a bunch of sensors. So typically, if you're doing a self-driving car, you have like a LiDAR sensor, which is laser-based, and you have a light-based, you have radar and all those things. At Tesla, we just had cameras. And so I was forced to basically track cars and pedestrians using just cameras. And so that was the same philosophy we tried to bring here, which was, you know, only use the cameras, use the latest in artificial intelligence to do that. Uh, you also mentioned earlier uh, about how you had these kind of gamifying uh, ways in the app. Can you yeah. please elaborate some some kind of gamifying uh, experiences that you have in this app? Yeah, the biggest one right now is the real-time audio feedback. And so traditionally, if you play with a ball machine or just go out to hit serves, it's a very kind of 
quiet experience. You're just there alone on the court. But now if you have swing vision behind you, you can have it read out the speed of the shots in real time. Mm. It can even announce whether you're making the ball in or out, which makes it kind of fun. <laughs> um, and then you can even hear like how many shot your accuracy so far, like, you know, six out of seven shots in. <laughs> and so that's all really helpful because it's, it's you know, it gives you a sense of how you're doing on the court, but it just makes it more fun. It's not as lonely when you're playing. Yeah. And as you said, it gamifies experience. It makes it feel like you're playing a video game, but you're also getting a workout and improving your tennis at the same time. Cool. So just lastly here, do you personally use any other wearable tech or do you use an Apple Watch in your life? Does it help you in your everyday life in another way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm really into fitness, so I wear an Apple Watch every day. I use it to work out. Obviously, every time I'm playing tennis, I use Swing Vision. But yeah. aside from that, I also go to the gym. I go hiking. I use all trails for that. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a big Apple Watch user for sure. And I think just having that real-time data in, in, any, in any sport is, is so valuable. Mm. And, you know, I hope that with Swing Vision, we can start bringing it to even more sports that don't have it yet. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. That was Swapnil Sahai, co-founder and CEO of Swing Vision, which Eric uh, v- interviewed and met in Paris a few weeks ago. I love the the background noise with all the tennis. Uh. <laughs> uh, all right, this was the show. Uh, we we have a packed week ahead of us. I'm traveling to Helsinki on Monday. On Tuesday, we have the Transformation Conference. Uh, make sure to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com/newsletter uh, to stay updated and get the latest on our uh, talks and keynotes that are going to be on the Transformation Conference. I don't know about you, Eric, but in this household, uh, we, and I, when I say we, I mean I, is insanely excited about the new Obi-Wan Kenobi that opens today on yes. Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I almost got like goosebumps going on the subway to the office today because it was a lot of, uh, you know, commercials on the subway. And I was like, oh, today's the day. Can't believe it. And, and it just, we can do 30 seconds of Star Wars nerd podcast here. But the, right now there is Star Wars uh, a celebration, <laughs> a big festival in Anaheim in California. And they just announced a couple of the new shows coming out. <laughs> a new one with Jude Law, uh, obviously Andor. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're a Star Wars nerd, this is kind of... Uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve, and uh, I, I mentioned I was on the Heya Framtiden <laughs> podcast the other week, and he asked about my sort of guilty pleasure, guilty pleasures. I said listening to Star Wars podcasts. There are a lot of out, a lot of uh, podcasts out there which dissects every minute detail of every <laughs> teaser trailer. So uh, that's in preparing to the transformation conference. That's how I will relax. I actually think we have we have a date to you and I to uh, to set on the 9th of June because I was at this esports bar yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a sports bar, but they show esports and they have this quiz. So I went that is like pop quiz, and on the 9th they had a they had a Star Wars themed quiz. So sounds like you know it all then, and we we'll probably win that. So it's a date. Should go. Anyways, uh, <laughs> this has been the scan of my weekly with me, Conor Olsson and Eric Sedin. Uh, until next time, goodbye. See you.